And it's over to you, Yolanda. Thanks so much. Thank you so much for your service. Hello, everyone. My name is Yolanda A., a recovered compulsive overeater and alcoholic from Minnesota. So grateful to be here speaking to you today. I, um, my prayer is that something that I say resonate on the hearts of at least uh, a few people. Um, my story might not um, be applicable to all on the phone, but um, I just, that is my prayer, that at least a few people are um, affected, touched, that this resonates with them and that you hear a little bit of your story and my story. Um, just to qualify, oh, let me start my timer. Just to qualify a little bit, I uh, I was bulimic for 16 years. I have a very interesting past in with my um, eating disorders, um, throwing up four, five, six times a day. Um, and I also was a compulsive exerciser. I worked out four or five hours a day in the morning and evenings. Um, I was in the rooms of OA before, lost some weight because it was just dieting with group support and I wasn't, steps, what are those? I just, give me a food plan. Um, and I lost 72 pounds and gained it back um, in pretty much the same amount of time that it took to lose it. My, um, and then the disease gets worse, never better as we know. And I uh, got up to about 372 pounds was my heaviest which is 169 kilos and 27 stones. So um, just to give you the, the range in the, um, and, and how I, uh, how just this disease got out of control. Um, there are some photographs that I have submitted to show you the befores and the afters, and I know those will be shared um, the picture on the right, that's not even me at my heaviest. So I was probably around 364 there. Um, and then the current photos are taken um, last week or a couple of weeks ago. I um, uh, am here to talk to you about what it was like for me, um, how I mentally and emotionally got ready to let go of the food and the alcohol and what I do now on a daily basis. Um, food and alcohol, they were my master. Um, I was in the grips of this disease in a way that just progressively got worse. And I kept thinking that, oh, I can handle it. I can manage it. The next diet, I'm fine. I'm good. Um, but it just, it, it, it never worked. I have always been somebody who's been really good about writing things down and um, keeping track of everything. And my list of diets and failed attempt was like 169. And now there's, I go, oh, I forgot about that. I forgot about that diet. I forgot about pills and shots and acupuncture and hypnosis and the subliminal tapes and uh, liposuction and bulimia and counting my bites and I had a clicker and you only got so many bites a day and points and Nutrisystem and Ginny Craig. The number now reaches like 176 different um, things that I had tried to lose the weight. Um, but I just couldn't, no matter what I did, it just got, it, it got worse and worse. So I'd follow a diet and then they'd say, oh, you can eat this in moderate portions. And I would never be able to moderate. As soon as I ate it, my brain would just light up like a Christmas tree. And I was back on that hamster wheel and could not, um, couldn't stop. Um, I 
frequented liquor stores. I had like four or five different ones here in Minnesota. Um, and this is in the last three years. I've been here since 2018. And so I had multiple liquor stores here. So this is a progressive disease. And I um, just, I remember years past when I didn't recognize how difficult the, uh, or, or how um, serious my drinking problem became, I would be behind the wheel of a car, drunk driving, and it's just by higher powers grace that I was able to not kill myself or anybody else. I was just in denial. I would take food from my office mates, um, candy dishes, people's stashes. If you went to the refrigerator, who ate my, who drank my, and I would be like, oh my God, I don't know, who drank your stuff? <gasps> it was me. Um, I was just that person that would, um, if I see it, if I saw it, I wanted it, I ate it, and it didn't matter that it belonged to somebody else. I just had to do whatever I needed to do to feed the addiction. Um, free samples at Costco, Sam's, uh, you name it, I was there eating it. I, um, food places, fast food places, I would pretend to be on the phone, be like, oh, you want an extra such and such? Can I have two of those? What else do you want? Nobody's on the other line. Um, I remember one time I was faking doing that, pretending to that I'm talking to somebody as I'm ordering something and the phone rang. And I was like, oh, I must have dropped you. Uh, just the lies that we do to, um, to get our fix. Um, and it just got worse, progressively worse, never better. That's the one thing that I recognize that the big book is true for, for my situation. Um, so how did it manifest itself physically for me? I, um, at close to 400 pounds, I could barely turn over in the middle of the night to change positions. I had horrible snoring. I had sleep apnea. I would wake up gasping for breath. Plantar fasciitis, I had to have surgery on my foot. I would wake up in the middle of the night to go to the bathroom and my, my body was just so enormous and putting so much pressure on my knees and my back and my joints. I, I, I couldn't walk to the bathroom. I had to crawl to the bathroom because the plantar fasciitis was horrible. Um, I couldn't move around in the shower. I couldn't, if I dropped the razor, it was just on the floor of the shower. I couldn't pick up if I dropped whatever. It just, I just, I couldn't physically maneuver. Um, it was uh, horrible. I couldn't clean myself properly. I couldn't reach around my body. I was just so enormous. Um, I had to wear two bras, one to lift, one to cover. I would get these sores underneath my breasts where it just, the underwire was rubbing into the fat um, and I would be bleeding and I would have to have band-aids and paper towels to absorb the sweat and mask the smell and the odor. It was just it was bad. And um, I had dark marks and indentations on my shoulders. I couldn't stand up straight. My lower back hurt. Um, I would get dressed in the morning, would have to change clothes because I was just drenched in sweat from the support garments and everything that I'm wearing to try to, to keep it all sucked in. Um, I would wear out heels on my shoes. My car seat was warped because I just would need to push off to get out and lean. It was just, 
the seatbelt wouldn't fit. It was just, I was, my breasts were so huge between that and the steering wheel, um, seatbelt extenders and airports, poor people who would like, oh my God, please don't let this woman be sitting up. Yep. It's you. You're the lucky person. I got to squeeze in, in this airplane seat. Just embarrassed. Um, the, the seat cutting into my thighs, the, the belt cutting into my stomach. It was just overwhelming, overwhelming. Um, but I was still eating. I just, you know, kept eating the food because it was doing something for me and it worked until it didn't. And ultimately I got to the point where I was suicidal. I mean, the disease was a slow death. I had like suicide on layaway, basically what a payment plan for suicide. But I just got to the point where I was ready to drive my car over into one of these 10,000 lakes here in Minnesota. Um, and it just got to a point, my hair was falling out. I, I felt like I was in the, the brink of having a nervous breakdown. And I um, had to make a decision, like step three says. Um, so how I got ready, um, all of those things were contributing factors. And I realized that it wasn't working anymore. Um, eating the food and drinking the alcohol, I was going through three or four bottles of wine a day, um, 20, 25, 30 bottles of alcohol uh, a week. And um, I recognized that I had to make a decision to turn my will, which is my, my thoughts and my life, which is my actions over to um, the care of God as I understood God. And I recognized that compulsive overeating is a struggle with myself. I have this internal conflict where it's like the food is doing something for me, yet I know that it's destroying me at the same time. And it's an internal battle and I take myself everywhere I go. And so everywhere I went, I recognized that I am the problem. And so I just really began to um, pray for the strength to get over the hump of this disease. And um, I recognized, as you've heard before, your broken brain can't fix your broken brain. Like my best thinking got me up to 372 pounds. And so I needed the help of my higher power to help flip the switch. Like what is going on in my brain that I can have all of this intellect and this capacity to do all of these things in my life. I am well-spoken. I've got this, I've got that. I've got friends, I've got family, I've got a job, but this part of my life, I cannot control. No matter what I try to do that's good for myself when it comes to this food, it had a grip on me in a way that I just, like nobody else understood it except those people in the rooms of OA. And so I realized that I had to do something different. And I started thinking that my higher power wants my heart, my mind, my soul, my strength wants all of me. But this, the disease had it, the food and the alcohol had it. And the food and the alcohol also had my spirit, it had my body, it had my finances. Because I was spending anywhere from $800 to $1,100 a month on food and alcohol. And it had me completely. And so I just was like, okay, I have got to be willing to go to any length necessary for what it says in the big book. So what does that mean? 
And that meant my heart, my mind, my soul, my strength, my body, my spirit, my finances. I had to, I had to visualize myself like at this poker table and all of my chips. I was like, okay, I've got to move it over from what I think is serving me and put them all over to higher power. Like every single chip, I had to push it in and just say, I'm betting all of this on higher power because my way isn't working. And I was able to do that. And um, it's simple for me to sit here and say it, but it's not easy. And one of the things that I recognize is that we can all be on this road of happy destiny together in the rooms. I can call people, I can make an outreach phone call, but ultimately the responsibility falls on my shoulders. I have to walk this journey alone. You can't carry me, I can't carry you. We can be here to lean on and depend on and support one another, but the work has to be done by Yolanda individually. And that's where I was getting hung up. And so I recognize that um, I saw um, a little quote recently that says, you have the freedom to choose, but you're not free from the consequences of your choice. And so I was like, I can stay in this disease and eat and drink myself to oblivion. Um, and the resulting confusion and melee and pandemonium and chaos and turmoil that's in my life, that's going to be the consequence of my choice. So I'm free to choose, but I have to, um, I'm responsible. I can't avoid the consequence of that choice. And so I made a decision to turn my will and my life over to the care of God as I understood God. And I had to stop straddling the fence. And once that happened, I had to recognize that I had to be ready for the fight, the fight of my life, the fight for my life, because this disease wants us dead. It wants us pushing up daisies six feet under, and it will do whatever it needs to do. And a couple of weeks ago, if not last week, a speaker here in this meeting said that her personal trainer, high, no, her, her disease, her compulsive overeating disease hired a personal trainer because we always talk about, oh, it's in the parking lot doing pushups. And I love when she said it because I was like, oh my gosh. That is so my disease and it wants what it wants and it wants that food and it is going to go down kicking and screaming and you have to be ready for the mental, emotional, spiritual, financial fight of your life. And um, we are graced that we have each other in the rooms to help, but it's a fight that I realized that I had to do on my own. Um, and so by my higher powers grace, I was able to lose 203 pounds. Um, first year, 140, and next year, 63. And I, with being an over-exerciser, I was like, okay, higher power, I'm not gonna exercise until you, until you drop into my spirit that it's time for me to move my body because Yolanda will kick in and be like, oh my God, I lost all of this weight, look at what I did, no. And so for that first year, I didn't do anything at all but follow my food plan. And um, that is what I did and just had to, like I said, all of those poker chips and trust and believe. Um, and one of my friends in, in recovery, she said, Yolanda, because I have a, a background in nutrition, she was like, you don't believe anybody. Uh, it's difficult for you to trust anybody, anything. You want to run the show. And so it's difficult for me to 
do anything that anybody else says. And so I was like, well, what do I trust 100%? And it's my GPS. When I don't know where I'm going, when it tells me take a right, I make a right. When it says left, left. When it says U-turn at the cul-de-sac, I U-turn at the cul-de-sac. And so I was like, okay, what can be my GPS in this program? And it just dropped into my spirit that my food plan is my GPS. It's God's perfect solution for me. I need to follow it because it keeps me sane and it keeps me grounded as far as the food and making sure to follow the principles of the program and to do what the big book tells me to do. Um, and so the last thing I'm gonna talk about is what do I do to not pick up the food? I do what the big book tells me to do, steps one through 12 meticulously. And I focus now more that the weight is off. I focus more now on the spirituality. Um, I was able to get the physical recovery very quick. And now my spiritual life is catching up with the physical recovery. And I use the tools. I make the outreach. I read the pamphlets. I read the four todays and the voices of recovery and the abstinence book and the big book all tabbed. It's all right here next to me. And I uh, use other techniques that help with the, just the, the brain part of it and the neurological aspect. I, um, I do a lot and I can put it in the, my information in the chat if you wanna reach out to some of the other things that I have done that have worked for me in addition to, because it's like my brain needs some help. I listen to podcasts. Um, and I also get comfortable with sitting in the discomfort of um, whatever it is that I'm dealing with. I recognize that for any emotion, I'm going to turn to food. It's snowing, it's raining, it's sunny. I see you wearing polka dots. I am, I've got a pimple, I got a zit, I gotta eat. And so now I'm recognizing that I have the step tens and the nightly inventory where I can make sure to clean up my side of the street. Um, I cry, I get upset, I feel the feelings, I go to sleep. Um, there's lots of things that I do because just because the weight is off, I still have that brain. And I got tricked by the transformation thinking that, oh, I'm, I'm small now. This doesn't, mm -mm. it's still the same. Um, and I uh, still have to recognize and work hard at the fact that no matter what I look like in the mirror, I am still a compulsive overeater and will be to the day that I die. Unless God chooses to remove this from me, um, it's something that I, I get a daily reprieve. Um, I just make sure to keep humble. And um, I recognize that if, I don't keep a handle on this disease, it will take over. And that means doing what I need to do on a daily basis. Um, it's a lifestyle, working this program and being and living in steps um, 10, 11, and 12 on a daily basis. It has to be a part of who I am. And um, it has been miraculous for me because if I kept going with the way that I was going, the disease itself was going to kill me or I was ready to, um, to take my own life. 
And uh, I just want to be able to stand here, to sit here before you and to let you know that there is hope. Um, and it's when you have 200, when you have 50, when you have five pounds to lose, it, it can be a formidable task. But when you have so much weight on your body, you feel hopeless sometimes. You feel like it is never, ever gonna come off that you are never going to be able to live the life that you have wanted to live. You get hopeless and you don't think that it is going to happen for you, but please know that I am here as a living witness that this program works. If you work it and you have to be willing to dig your heels in deep, there are times when I just like the big book says, you have to recoil from it as if from a hot flame and you have to be willing to fight that fight and dig deep and know that it is achievable. It is obtainable. It can happen for you, just like it has happened for countless other uh, individuals who have been in these rooms. So I just want to be a beacon of hope for someone so that you know that it is possible, it can happen for you. Thank you for letting me share my story. Didn't think I was gonna cry, but I will pass with that. <clears throat> Yolanda, thank you so, so much for your experience, strength and hope.